And welcome in to the Empire Dynasty League podcast. I'm your host, Ben, joined by the ever-reliable Hod. How are you? Very good, Benny. Ever-reliable sounds lovely. Mate, we, uh, we're making a thing of this duo at the moment. No Keeney, uh, not only on dad duties, but also on uh, work duties with Trade Week being the case this week. He's under the pump, he reckons. He's dropping old, uh, dropping names of all the people he's talking to, isn't he? He is. He's uh, tried to get in on some other trade action too, but just got pipped at the line. But what uh, what I will talk to here is why not? I, I am looking forward to the big fella joining us once again. But I don't know what your thoughts were, Benny, last week, but we uh, we had some something going there. There was just some connection. We were doing the top and bottom thing. It just it just came off really. I shouldn't say came off after yeah. top and bottom, well. but uh, the there was some camaraderie and it produced quite a nice little pod. Was. So the ratings are up. I hear the ratings right? aren't the only thing that's up after that pod last week. But uh, absolutely, no. It's it's a different dynamic to do it with two. But uh, we the other op- option was to get one of the other members of the league on, and and we clearly opted with uh, going the better result of just the two of us. Yeah, the uh, we don't three's a crowd. I think otherwise so we'll we could have we'll keep running this. Could have been graced with this. <laughs> a few of those could have been sprinkled in. If we uh, had some different choices, but we'll uh, we'll get on with the news. Every newsman in this city's laughing at us, and I don't like it. And we're going to kick it off like we normally do with the eliminator pool, and I get the privilege once again of playing this. Another one bites the dust. So another elimination, and uh, you wouldn't believe this. The Bayside Executioners eliminated. Have a guess who they picked, Todd. Uh, I've got no idea. He's picked the Bayside Executioners. So we've gone back-to-back weeks of blokes getting eliminated uh, by picking their own team. And, yeah, once again, the Executioners, they're just just—they're making a habit of this. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. Oh, I've got to go hubris. back and actually count. How many eliminations have been at the hands of the executioners over the last two years? But I keep bringing it up because I feel like it has to be at least about seven or eight at this point. Um, did, he, did he try and test the theory himself? Maybe. What are you telling me? Maybe he did. Um, don't know, but it. Uh, we'll get to it in a little bit because that that lost to uh, his opponent, which we'll get into, was was extra special and one that uh, was very entertaining, at least for the rest of the league, um, and just added a bit of extra spice that he also had himself in the Eliminator pool. Uh, We'll move on to some injuries that happened around the NFL last week, and this is a big one. Javonta Williams uh, out for the season. He's done his ACL, and am I right, LCL, or did I just make that up? Is that a made-up ligament? It is LCL. Absolutely. So very similar to the J.K. Dobbins. Uh, knee injury, and I think it was about a month different, like almost about a... Uh, J.K. Dobbins this time last year did about a month earlier. So he's only just starting to hit his straps now in week five. So I think if all things go well, he might have a similar timeline to Dobbins. Yeah, it's it's just unfortunate, these young running backs with super upside. It's carbon copy, really. J.K. Dobbins was in the same boat. Probably similar similar upside and ability uh, in what we think are pretty good offenses and running offenses. So, yeah, this one's really disappointing, uh, especially for Camo. And um, obviously, Jim reaps the rewards with the fumbler. The fumbler. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, there's a few people who have taken on the Denver running backs. They went and got Latavius Murray. In, they signed him off the Saints practice squad, which was an interesting one because he got the call up with uh, the London game, I think it was, because Kamara was out and then they put him back on the practice squad and he got um, yeah, picked up by Denver. So very, very interesting there. We'll see if maybe they uh, don't trust old fumble hands. I have totally missed that. Is that why... Did you pick him up? Yeah. 
So he's gone to the Broncos, right? Yeah, so he went um, back on the practice squad. They signed him straight away after the Williams injury, and he's been shipped over. So now there's Mike Boone, him, mm-hmm. and Melvin Gordon to potentially figure out that backfield there. I was going to say, um, I did say Jim reaps the rewards, but then I was going to touch on Mike Boone because he's a sneaky little um, good running back, I, I think. he, uh, Whenever he got time in Minnesota and then subsequently in Denver, he's sort of produced, and this is probably a little annoying, annoying for all three now because who knows who's going to get it after Gordon's fumbling away his chances, the unanimous starter. Yeah, and he's had a few injuries as well already to start the season, Gordon. So it will be interesting. They did sign him back to the team pretty late, Gordon, in the offseason. So it's hard to know where they kind of stand with him, whether they just got him back as a bit of an insurance play in case something like this happened or I don't know whether they're not that sold on him. It's, yeah, it's hard to say. Mm. Uh, did you want to say something there or we'll move on to No, no, no. Keep going with another Another, big body running back. Another running back with a knee injury, and that's Cotterell Patterson. He's been placed on IR, which is only four weeks. So it's not, I guess, as severe as when players used to get put on IR, but it just means a month now. And they've got a pretty tough um, schedule coming up against some decent run defense teams. So hard to know whether... um, whether Algier and I can't remember the name of the bloke who got signed off the practice squad. Caleb Huntley. Huntley, yeah. That's what I was going to ask, just a quick fire question. Who gets the starting nod out of those two? I mean, you have to go Algier just based off capital invested, but they had pretty similar splits, I think, uh, in carries last week. So I'm going to say Algier. Um, But yeah, wouldn't be shocked if if they just go the hot hand because I think Huntley got the end zone work and got the touchdown last week. So that will be another one. I'd kind of look at where their schedule is at and I just think I'd probably wouldn't worry with either of them, to be honest. They've got Tampa Bay and San Fran, Cincinnati, and then Carolina, if that's around the time that um, Patterson's coming back. So it's a bit of a touch, tough stretch for him. Perhaps they could put Kyle Pitts in at running back to get him uh, a touch. Doing something, yeah. But we'll, uh, we'll get to that a bit later. Jonathan Taylor, the big one. Uh, don't think it's too serious. Uh, he lobbied to play, which is insane uh, on a short week, but yep. um, may miss this week only, maybe one more, but we'll see how that goes. But the big one, Benny. Oh, yeah. We we did mention this last week, the the whole situation with Tua, and I think it was the situation that got a lot of people talking in that the whole back spasm uh, excuse we'll call it, where you watch the footage back and he's shaking his head, almost trying to sort of like come to his senses after that hit against the Bills and then has the wobbly legs. Um, Short turnaround in the Thursday night game and then he has an absolute shocking tackle where he gets slung to the ground. That was hard to watch. You know, any time that someone does the old fucking spider hands, Mm. um, yeah, it's not, not fun to watch. And I think it wouldn't have mattered if he had the situation... Uh, against the Bills, that hit on anyone would have caused probably the same outcome, but it does beg the question of, you know, player welfare and, and what does that mean for his long-term um, career because, you know, there's a lot of proof out there now that if you haven't fully recovered from any brain injury or bleeding in the brain or any sort of head trauma and then you have another injury, it can result in some pretty bad long-term effects. Well, it is concerning when it's come out and saying that, uh, neurosurgeon had misdiagnosed him. Mm. So who knows how much bleeding was still on there. And um, now that there's lawyers involved, I think this this one's got a lot of water to go under the bridge. I think there's going to be some serious consequences here. And hopefully for Tua's sake, uh, he's okay because the head is obviously something not to mess with. So yeah. uh, that wraps up the injuries for us. It sure does, and we've uh, we've had a couple of trades go down since our last pod. One happened just before the bout of games last week, and that was Keeney and Scoot trading away. Keeney getting Jacoby Myers, Scoot getting Brandon Cooks just in a straight swap. How did you rate that one? Um, interesting, I thought. Uh, mm. It probably goes against where each list is, just looking at it. Uh, Keeney's obviously got a bit younger with... Jacoby Myers, 
and Scoot's gone with the older, more proven veteran. So, yeah, interesting. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it probably went a bit more Scoot's way. Scoot clearly, we did say after the Wentz trade, he's looking probably to go a bit more in this season. And I think it's probably in his best interest that he outperforms one of his division members, which we might touch on in a little bit. Um, but yeah, Keeney going with Jacoby Myers. I did notice that he dropped Kendrick Bourne uh, as well. So maybe he's been watching a lot of that Patriots offense since he's got Mac Jones and thought he'll just go the better wide receiver of the, of the, the lot there. And it must have been hard for Scoot to part with Myers. He was sneaky good for him last year, and I know he likes him. So yeah, he's big, uh, big on him. Yeah, interesting one. But the uh, more interesting one here is what we talked into fruition, let's be honest. It's uh, Marcus Mariota. Papa has managed to pry away a couple of picks and both seconds, both Mannies, in 2023 and 2025. So I don't know what the biggest story is here, the trade or the crystal balls happening. What do you think? So much going on, absolutely. Not only uh, not only did we call this and say potentially a nice little trade piece, we actually threw out Manny's team as the, the trade destination. And it's almost like we got their light bulbs going off in their minds and that's when the conversation... I, probably it's been happening for a while, but I'd like to think that that started the conversation. I also think an interesting one here is that Manny, who has now apparently switched his philosophy and gone with draft picks being quite valuable and, and something to hold on to and wait for. Now he's flipped draft picks rather than players for Mariota. So it's hard to just keep track with, with what that bloke's doing these days. Mm, I don't want to moz our ability to see into the future, but I'm feeling a <laughs> Jeff Wilson with Papa coming, maybe for a, a first. What do you reckon? El Jeffo? So you're trading him to Papa? Yeah, just because I can get some capital back. <laughs> just some high cap. Uh, but, I could almost guarantee that's not going to happen, but uh, <laughs> so you have mozzed it. Let's move on to the review, shall we? Let's move forward amicably. First of all, you're throwing too many big words at me. Okay, now, because I don't understand them, I'm going to take them as disrespect. Watch your mouth. All right, and week four, we are... Uh... We're going to start with the Grouse 137 defeating the Demons 126.3. So not uh, not as convincing a win, I think, as what maybe we thought this one could be. But just getting the job done and, and just talking to our points last week, we did mention how we were a little bit worried about, um, when you look at Keeney's list, the QBs and how they were scoring. And Russell Wilson... Boy, did he take those comments to heart because here we were saying that he's overpaid for him and that he's well and truly underdelivered. He just comes out with a 27, looks very nice uh, and maybe has turned that around on that offense there and maybe started to figure things out. But I don't know, Stafford and the Rams continue to look absolutely shizen. What do you think? Uh, I think that our uh, listeners are from far and wide and obviously in Colorado, not LA, because the news got to Russ... He heard us, and he delivered. He got cooking. But Stafford and that Rams offense, as you said, continues to struggle. But who did not struggle? The incredible Hawk. Oh. How, how is that stat line? It Actually, just the whole game in general. I had a, obviously a vested interest in it from another league. It was delicious to watch. But <laughs> Hawkinson, what was it? 179 yards. 12, 12 yards. targets, 8 catches, 179 yards, 2 touchdowns. For a 39.9, just shy of a 40-burger. Jesus Christ. From the best position in all of sports. How good. Um, do you want to roll with this next one here from Keeney? Well, Keeney has written in a little note here. Not many people wrote in some notes, which is fair enough because that probably uh, is an indication of just how well we did in just recapping last week without having to use an awful lot of notes. People probably thought, you know what? We don't need our input. Uh, Keeney just said the biggest... Talking point is the wrong team probably won here. Tua concussed and Javante ACL was tough to watch uh, as an inaugural Grouse member and we wish him all the best in his recovery because if you don't remember or if you've forgotten, Keeney did draft Javante and then traded him on to Camo there. So, yeah, it was, um, you know, considering it was, what, in the end, 11 points to Keeney and that was with the Tua concussion and the Javante injury he makes a good point. He, he was lucky to get away with one there, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think he nailed it on the head. What was what pick was Javante? Just out of interest, he was pick um, six or seven somewhere in, around that mark. First rounder, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, he was he was in between the Pitts. I think it went like Pitts, Chase, Williams, something along to that effect. Um, okay, so fairly high. Yeah, yeah, fairly high. It was about seven mark. Um, all right, why don't we go to? Well, here's a barnstormer for you. The Stallions 104 defeating the Punishers 90-hod. Mm, this is probably a little closer than what we all thought. And Jim, Jim, uh, I know he was seven foot tall last week, horizontal, <laughs> but uh, may have had some shrinkage on the dinklage because was he looking too far ahead? Can I uh, I'll indulge everyone with a little conversation that Jim and I had on Sunday and he was talking about, he won't want many people hearing this, but he was genuinely talking about him and I playing each other in round eight, and he was confident that it was going to be two 8-0 and teams playing off. He, he had it pegged as the biggest game of the season. I reckon he just forgot that he had Papa coming up the next day and almost, almost shit the bed if it wasn't for a couple of his players coming home late. Well, he wasn't the only one that probably looked too far ahead. I think we... Penciled him in, penciled him in quite easily last week on the preview to four and zero, but he got the job done anyway. Uh, let's talk about someone who continues not to get the job done, and we've got some stats here because, in the spirit of the great man who's not with us, we love a stat. And Justin Fields comes out and he <laughs> he's put up a ten point one six, and that might not sound great, but. That's his seventh best score of all time, Ben. <laughs> now, what's a more alarming stat is nine out of his 16 career games, he has scored as a quarterback in single digits. Wow. Uh, let's let's throw to the great man who's not here tonight. Keeney, what do you think about that stat? Oh, boy. <laughs> Jesus. Goodness. That is alarming. Um, yeah, that's... 16 games, nine single digits. For a QB, that is at some worrying signs there. And he arguably, arguably played one of his better games this season last week against the Giants. He actually threw a little bit more, 22 attempts, had a few more rushing attempts, but still didn't get it done. So not good signs there. Oh, sorry, um, I'm pretty sure I saw early. Uh, he must have aired one out because he had like three from three for 75 yards or something. So I thought he was on, but... Uh, yeah, he hit, um, he hit Darnell Mooney a few times on some decent chunk plays, but didn't do much outside oh, of that. Well, there's, there's a thought. Maybe throw it to your number one receiver. It might work. Mm. Uh, speaking of number one receivers, Jim would love us talking about this man, the sun god, Amon Ra St. Brown. He... he confidently tells us here is the Stallions barometer and why wouldn't he be? What is he? He has to be top one, surely. <laughs> what, one overall? Yeah, on the season he'd be close. He's so seven overall, uh, sorry, seven wide receiver and that's missing a game. So that's oh, so that's one. That's pretty decent. <laughs> but he is the um, barometer. He almost lost, you know, with St. Brown missing. He just about, he's been... Churning out 150s, 160s, and then he puts up just over 100. Mm, and then Papa's, uh, Papa's comment here, which is pretty ordinary, let's be honest, but the Punishers almost got the job done last week against the Stallions. Shows we are going in the right direction. If you're losing to 104s, mate, I'm not sure you're heading in the right direction. <laughs> but um, Keep telling yourself that. Speaking of somewhere, uh, someone who loves a direction, and, and that's up, because he's got up there the DFF here. He has prevailed in the Henschke Bowl with a 113.26 defeating the Bayside Executioners, a 112.94. And with a win like that against an opponent like that, it would be fitting, if not, to play the anthem of the DFF. the DFF in there and fight. Oh, did he just treat that like a grand final, the DFF? My goodness. I don't know if you followed along here, Hod. It was absolutely in favor of the executioners. I reckon they were an 80% chance or something like that to win. Got right up there and then just in the clutch, Clyde Edwards-Alaire comes out, scores a 23, spins it the other way. Steph just needs a one to tie the game from uh, 
Cam Akers and Cam put up just enough, a 1.3 to get him over the line in an it's entire game. Margin. My goodness. Before we, um, before we talk about some of the DFF's fine form from last week, did it, you would have caught the AFL grand final. How good was it with our very own Mike Brady leading the charge there with the, uh, the national anthem of the Dynasty Football Factory? How's that singing in front of 100,000 people up there, the DFF? Amazing. I got spine tingly, I yeah, thought. Goosebump. But, uh, the, this, this Mitch Trubensky. He's going to go down as one of the all-time greats. The, uh, the DFF is taunting uh, not only scared Scoot out of playing Trubisky, he left him on the bench after the taunting last week. It then all came to fruition in what might be one of the greatest prediction rhymes of all time. Because, um, oh, we, oh, sorry, we've got here as well. Scoot may have mozzed himself with the Wentz talk because he we know it well last week. He came out and gave us the thoughts on um, wanting Wentz to do well after the trade. Mm-hmm. And it's probably a poor choice uh, using the term going sick, which I haven't heard since the year 2000, Ben. <laughs> I, I can't believe the words he went with. No wonder it failed because Wentz, Scary Terry and the dot combined for 20 points. And that's going to hurt you in a point three, uh, 0.3 point loss. It sure as shit is. And uh, probably what hurts even more is that that in-depth prediction about Mitch, Trebens- Mitch Trebensky getting benched in the game and, and coming to fruition, that came from the same bloke who said this. Yeah, he came up to me and tried to give me the old good tag, whatever you <laughs> pronounce his last name. <laughs> So I don't know how that feels, Scoot, that uh, I reckon uh, the DFF had the same amount of concussions as Tua when he tried to say his name there. So that's the same bloke who outsmarted you on the week and and beat you by 0.3. Speaking of concussions, isn't that neurosurgeon who, uh, what did he do, consulted Tua last week, isn't he the same bloke that Steph gets his psych tests passed through every week? (laughs) He's got to be. Were you saying that off air or was that me? I can't remember. <laughs> but uh, what what uh, the DFF did say is uh, he loves Zach Wilson. He loves everything about the guy, the MILF hunter, everything that comes with him. And the fourth quarter is where he does his best work, Zachy boy. And 10 of 12, the DFF points out here in the fourth quarter, 138 quarterback rating, five for five on the last drive in one of the loudest and toughest away crowds to play against. Show the man some love. Don't, is this? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, don't let stats get in the good way, uh, way of a good story here. He's, got, he's highlighted that he went 10 for 12 in the fourth quarter. He was 36 and 18 in the game. So that meant uh, just the old eight out of 24 leading up to that. But don't worry about the first three quarters. Just, just cherry pick the stats that work for you, DFF. Uh, that's all right. It's all, always how you bring it home. So he's... Uh, He's chanting on the the young fella there, the gangrene quarterback, and um, yeah, maybe a sign of things to come. That did they end up winning? They did, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I believe they did. I think they got over the line. So, uh, speaking of getting over the line, this bloke's going all right. Do you want to run through this one? Yeah, Prestige Worldwide one twenty point six, defeating the legal team ninety eight point four four. So, uh, we touted this as a pretty interesting matchup, but there really wasn't much to watch here. It was uh, a bit lackluster, if you will. Saquon, he's running back two on the season. He continues to deliver for Jake's team, and as does Matt's QBs in Burrow and Josh Allen, who are QB eight and two respectively on the season. So, um, yeah, it's got to be alarm bells here for Jake. We had him on the pod in the offseason. He was really loving the way that his list was shaping up. Obviously, he uh, acquired Saquon, and that got him up and about, and that has uh, returned more than a favorable amount for him, but the rest of his team just not firing. He's had three scores below 120 this year, uh, which is no surprise why he's 1-3 and three on the season. What do you reckon about his team, how it's gone? Um, well, obviously, acquired some draft capital, which says that I'm liking where it's going. At one and three, uh, was got that win last week, um, which was much needed. But yeah, reverting back to a sub one hundred score has to hurt. Um, but yeah, probably 
let's talk about the winner here. Yeah. Um, the more positive three and one is Thais is uh, fortunate, we could say, with wins of um, with one twenty and one oh eight respectively. But a three and one record gives him plenty of options with all that draft capital up his sleeve. We did talk about it in the off season. He's probably the most mysterious team as to how he was going to go this year, middle of the pack. But if he got off to a fast start, which he has, uh, it really will test uh, his strategy as to where he wants to take this year. Does he does he go all in and gives up? Doesn't have to go all in, but just gives up some of that draft capital to top up? Or does he stay put, perhaps squeaks out another um, deep run into the playoffs and keeps all that capital? What do you think? Yeah, I think if he does choose to flip some of those into players, he's got the luxury of probably waiting, you know, with a start like this for several more weeks to see how it plays out, you know. Sitting three and one equal first in his division. Uh, there's three teams in there with a three and one record. So it just means that, you know, if he was going to make that decision, he's got a few more weeks that he can sit on it for. So um, I reckon we probably won't know till maybe about week seven or eight when things are a bit more clear in how they're shaping up for the playoffs. Mm, absolutely. And we go from one McMahon to another, and this was a tight tussle, Benny. Was it ever? Yeah. Uh, 142.86 for Timos coming from behind to defeat the one and three Johnny Unitas haircuts with a 138.24. Now, you can sense the... Uh, urgency in my voice there because he he's always quick to shoot down the Sonny Weaver Junior Division. So when when I see a loss on this man's record, I kind of like it. What do you think? Oh, I think it's pretty stiff to shoot the guy down when he gets the third highest score in the league. Ah, bugger in it. In a week and comes up against the second highest score in the league. Um, yeah, look, one and three. It's almost like a reverse of last year for Manny. He was—he uh, almost had a flattering record compared to what his team was putting out there. And I think this year his team's putting out probably far better scores than what they were at this point last year. And it's flipped the other way around. So it just shows how fickle this game can be. Um, we spoke about high variance for Manny last week, especially with his QBs. And did the uh, this podcast reach Denver? It also reached Seattle apparently because Gino just goes Bang and scores a 31.7. Um, very nice return. And uh, surprising stat, Hod, where did you say off air that Gino was sitting on the season? Uh, quarterback nine. How's that? Ridiculous, actually. Um, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Quarterback nine. My God. Um, yeah, probably another thing, talking point here is Evans. Mike Evans just answering Hod's call out last week. Spoke about how uh, frustrated you were at the prima donna that is Mike Evans, and and he did play very well. He did. Uh, just just to reiterate, they could have used his skillful services the week before. It might have been a different story. But what this does confirm for us, Ben, we've got Colorado, we've got Florida. Yep. We don't have LA yet, but we will get there. But we also have Carolina because the squeaky wheel on the pod has come to fruition again. Baker heard us. All we were asking for for Timos is feed CMC the ball. Now, this wasn't looking good for him for most of the game. And then that last quarter just fed him target after target. He ended up with nine. Pretty sure he had 10 on the whole year before this week. And then they pepper him with nine targets and he produces a 20-plus score. So no surprises there. Um, what I will just add to this is, is there a quarterback controversy that uh, we need to talk about here? Because Baker isn't exactly setting the world on fire. I know they've committed to him for one more week, but could we see the resurgence? Well, Darnold has got the ankle injury, am I right? And he's on IR, so... Uh, when he comes off IR, it will make things very interesting to see what they do there because it's not like they can really go with the narrative that Baker's lighting the world on fire. Who's their backup? Because um, they, they lost Matt Corral as well for the year. So that would have been interesting. Had they had all three quarterbacks, hmm. um, this could be a different story. But let's um, let's... 
put the microscope on Manny here because he is he is quick to fire um, or shoot down others. PJ Walker, and, by the way, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yep. he's no, he's no good. No, but he could uh, could overtake Baker. Who knows? <laughs> now, Manny, another interesting decision here from your good self. We talked up the rookies, like. If you need anything, just listen to the pod. We give you the information. We talked up your rookies last week. Uh, in particular, it was... Oh, no. All the listeners out there right now. Here because Hold on, hold on. I'm going to have to pause you there. You were, you were in the middle of a take, and we don't like to edit the pod, and you've just gone, your internet has frozen up on me. So... We're going to have to backpedal a bit there because you went silent for us. So you were talking about the rookies who we, who we spruked last week for Manny, London we and did. Alave. London and Alave and Manny's gone with the wrong London here because Alave was in London and he drew the Vikings D here who don't have a standout corner, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can put up some points on the Vikings and Mike Thomas was out. So, why would you put Drake London in, who drew Denzel Ward, over Alave? And look what it's done. It's cost him a win. Drake London with a 2.7. Alave with another solid score. I think he had a 14 point something. So 14.7. In, yeah. in fairness, I'll uh, play devil's advocate here. Both had the same number of targets for each game. Just Alave did a lot more with his four catches versus one out of seven targets each. So, yeah. Um, but let's let's give the, the great man, Manny, here his uh, time for reply, uh, a live reply, actually. <laughs> the era of Bailey Zapp, the next Tom Brady he is calling, is <laughs> upon us. Also, no karma in this game for Tim sleeping through the early game and thus starting Kamara. Mike Evans did... Did to the haircuts this week what Saquon did in week three, led the unlikely come from behind win. So that that is a good point by Manny. It has to be, uh, you know, you could look at look at Tim Austin. We we sort of brushed on his fortune last week, but we we landed instead on him, his moz over the grouse. But you could also look at this one as another fortunate close win, but he did um, have a zero with Kamara, so it probably wouldn't have been as close. But also, like, is that is that a bit inexcusable? That was the London game, which... You know, arguably, where we live in our time zone of uh, the 4 a.m. starts, you can kind of understand maybe someone not getting up at 4 a.m. and and catching the news that might break that a player's not going to play. The London game was 12.30 a.m. our time, so the news would have broken at least by 11, 11.30 p.m. Yeah, I was, um, I was, it was approaching about 10-ish, and I did see Kamara still in his starting position, and... Like, let's be fair, Timo starts work at bloody 3 a.m. or whatever it is. He would have been asleep 14 hours before that. That's true. So um, I don't think he's staying up for that. Just just a small hiccup, but it didn't cost him in the end. So um, he moves on to 3-1 and one and just quietly going about his business, the homies. Mm. And uh, do you think that there's a bit of deflection talk going on from Manny there, um, talking about, you know, Evans... Just the unlikely come from behind win and all that, and uh, Timo starting a zero with Kamara. He didn't do much better starting Jarek McKinnon for a zero point five. So uh, maybe that zero RB strategy is just getting you a little bit thin there, Manny. Although, yeah, he's not. He had Kenneth Walker for a two point nine on the bench, so could have made a little bit of a difference. Let's move on to the final match, which uh, will probably give as much airtime as we did last week, and that was the Park City Lions, 157, defeating the Humdingers, 84. Um, did you say 84? 84. Ooh. Yeah. Is that your highest score of the season? Uh, don't know, but it's a lot better than 38. <laughs> it is a hell of a lot better. Um, yeah. Well, before we deep dive into your um, very valid question here, Benny, yeah, I will... Um, I will just maybe a nice little segue here, but Big Mo Ali Cox, he's finally showed up, Gigantor. He's uh, popped in a 26.5 on the week. And let me just run you through his scores for the year and you tell me where you think he's sitting on the rankings, the season rankings in the best position in all of sports. So he had a Mm 4.7, a 1.9, a 1.9. So 
not exactly not great. great. And then a 26-5. Good. One one good game out of four. Where do you think he's sitting on the year? No, oh, he's he's putting up Cole Komet style numbers before that 26. I'm going to say that he's in a tight end 17. 17. Yep. He's almost a tight end one. Tight end 13. He's jumped from I don't know where, but it just it's a it's a I love the position. We so, all know this. You're still going to justify that this is the greatest position with that bullshit. Absolutely. And who better to talk about this than your fine self and about this man coming right up? Well, we'll we'll stick on the topic of your favorite position that produces that bullshit. My question is, and it's it's looking inward at my own list here, is Kittle still considered an elite tight end? Um, this might be an overreaction here, but I just want your thoughts Um I'll just quickly run through. 2019, he was, if you went by games per or average score per game, he was the number one player, number two overall on the season for tight ends. 2020, third average per game uh, season, he was the 20th overall. So it just highlights how many games he missed in 2020. He was the fourth overall tight end of 2021. And right now he sits, um, he sits at tight end 45 or... Average per game, tight end 25. Either way, he's only played two games and not very good ones at that for his standard. So, yeah, what what do you think? Do you think that that's an overreaction or do you think that maybe he's falling out of that elite tight end status that he had? Well, I mean, the anomaly there is the, the season in 2020 where he missed a lot of games. But if you're looking at averages, uh, when he's on the field, he produces. Yep. So, he's the average um, in every year, he's number one, number three, number four. This year is probably the outlier. Now, I don't know how serious that injury was. I believe it was a groin yeah. that he did right on the verge of the season and then missed three games. But um, I, w- I would call this an outlier. I still think he's absolutely an elite tight end. Well, my hope and- is I did look at the scoring as well for where Kittle's at. He scored 11.2 on the season. But my hope is that if he pulls out a 39 39- no, sorry. If he pulls out a 28 this week, he'll jump up to tight end 12. <laughs> that's how well, far off. That's the gap. Is it? Well, so he has to outscore by 28. But still, that's within his realm based off previous seasons. But he, uh, yeah, he is yet to actually show that he's capable of it so far. And hopefully we need uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to pull his finger out to, to show that he could be capable. Well, it's probably a, a nice little moment here. We won't spend too much time on it, but the the tight end you did give up for this blockbuster trade was obviously Kyle Pitts, and he's sitting at tight end 18 at the moment. And I'm a lot more confident in where Kittle's probably going to end up the way these two are going versus uh, Pitts. I know you gave up a bit more capital, but um, it's not, not all too uh, doom and gloom there. I think you'll be fine, Benny. Well, let's see how everyone else thinks about it with the power ranking, shall we? That's the power of love. That's the power of love. Do I like that little segue there? I did. And what I like about this, I don't know how we're going to do it in the three-way when Keeney's back, but the top and bottom. Who was top last time first? Uh, I reckon you might have been top, so I'll jump this week. We'll uh, it's just... I don't know. Considering we're about to go top and bottom, there's not a lot of action going on down here at the bottom, and that is the Humdingers just staying put at number 12 with a 0-4 and four record, followed by the Punishers also staying put at 11 with a 0-4 and four record. There is not a lot of movement down this end, so either one of us is starfishing or it's before 9am and Thais is involved. <laughs> so who, did you just rattle off anyone then? Two. The, the two... Most locked and loaded positions on the entire power ranking which season. Are which not be, going anywhere. They're not going really. anywhere. It is twelve and eleven for the rest of the season. All right. Well, let's. We probably can just do a top ten then. We'll go with uh, tenth. We got the Bayside Executioners and the DFF. They have not moved. I'll just go one more because the the bottom five have not moved, and you've got the legal team sitting there at one and three. Mm. So that is the bottom five. So top seven now. This is where. You really make your money. You can lead us off. All right. Well, uh, I reckon record is playing a huge part here because dropping four spots to number seven this week is the Johnny Unitas haircut sitting at number uh, at one and three 
I they've come from three last week overall, which is pretty stiff because I reckon he could be potentially the third highest scoring team on the season. Um, off the top of my head, you've got myself, Jim Keeney. Actually, no, he's ahead of Keeney. So there you go. He's the second highest scoring team on the season and he's sitting at number seven. Just shows how good fantasy is. Now, I did get a good chuckle last week, so I'm, I'm wondering why you changed a good thing. Why are you now talking off the top of your head rather than the top of your dick? <laughs> Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. I'll, uh, I'll make it more exciting for you, Hod. Number six is the San Diego Demons, two and two, dropping from five last week. Uh, and I'll go as well, number four here, Prestige Worldwide, the uh, the... Yeah, just the unassuming team just popping up at number four here with a three and one record, jumping up two spots this week. I don't know, unless I'm going deaf, I don't know what you got against Timos at number five, but you just jumped him. Oh, yep. The straight cash homies. <laughs> so we'll go six to four to five, and then I'll round out the top three. That's how everyone counts, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. top three uh, sitting on the podium, we have the four and O oh, Jim City Stallions, who has been pipped by the grouse. At three and one. So we've got our two familiar foes, one and two, with you at uh, sitting pretty there at number one at four and oh, unchanged. So final thoughts on the power rankings. Any uh, Anything jump out for you? Oh, I think that, yeah, uh, it's interesting to see Manny sitting so low with high scoring, but record is showing that. And uh, it's interesting because even though Jim's record is better than Keeney's, people clearly looked at the scoring difference because Jim didn't have a great week last week and loses a spot even with a win. Uh, so, yeah, will be interesting to see how long I can hold Keeney off at that number one spot for because I reckon it's uh, it's eating him up inside just seeing himself sitting there at number two. Very D- good. DK Metcalf um, style. Let's move on to the previews. <laughs> Oh, I said it with all due respect. That, no, look, that doesn't mean you get to say whatever you want to say to me. Sure, sure as heck does. No, no, it doesn't it's mean that. the Geneva Convention. Look yeah. it up. And the week five previews brought to you by DK Travel. If you can't fart it, cart it. Hod. Hey. Hey. I might, uh, might have to take up on DK Travel after this ep. But uh, <laughs> let's jump into the first preview. We've got the Prestige Worldwide, this is a sneaky little good game here. Mm-hmm. Three and one versus four and zero oh with the Jim City Stallions, and let's just revisit uh, because this is one of the best sponsors we've had in a long time. DK Travel, if you can't fart it, cart it. And the polls from the league has this pretty close, fifty-seven percent to the Prestige Worldwide takes this one out. Jim won't be happy about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forty-two point nine. So we've got a ten. Point differential in the projections and sleeper has it uh, not too different, 46 to 54%. So let's deep dive into this one. Um, we're going to keep these short and sharp with the previews and we'll touch on each of the previews in the following week to see how we went. But Matt hoping for Booney, we talked about him earlier um, to get the bulk of the work in Denver. We'll see how much Murray comes in and takes over um, from probably what we see as the number two there behind Gordon. I, st- I still think he'll... Uh, lead the charge there. But Njoku has been a nice surprise for Thais this season. Um, I should know, being my favourite position where he's sitting on the year. He's 14. Oh, Uh, I'm surprised by that. I'm pretty sure he's had two good games. Maybe better than that. Um, 11, sorry. 11. He's just inside tight end. There we go. So Jim scoring crashed him back down to earth uh, last week. He played the Dorch, which will do that to you. I... uh, that's oh, that's right. R- Rondell Moore came back last week who, and ate into Dorch's yeah. uh, snap percentage. I just think that's a bit of um, I think a bit of Jim's hubris just kicked in there, and he thought, you know what, I can get away with playing the likes of Dorch even when uh, Hollywood comes back, and it could have potentially bit him in the ass, but he did manage to just sneak away with a win. Yes, and this was the two-man show for memory in this game. Um, the Rams didn't look great, let's be honest, but they just peppered Higby and Cup. Because uh, those two got off to a very nice start and got him out of jail to keep the season alive, and he will be looking to Gordon. So this is the this is a little head to head here um, for Gordon to step mm. up with Javante obviously out for the year now. So we've got Gordon versus Booney uh, tomorrow, actually, 
yeah. against the Colts in Thursday night football. So we'll get a, an early look as to how this Broncos backfield will play out. Uh, do you have something there? No, we'll just touch on Jim. Jim wrote in some comments there, and he's actually, I think, summed it up pretty well. And it will be interesting to see if Denver persists with fumbles Gordon. I reckon he sees it the same way as you, that it probably is Gordon's job, and it probably is Gordon's job to lose um, at this point. If he keeps fumbling, then they will, I reckon they'll just park him and take the more reliable and, uh, yeah, I guess the, especially the way that Russ played last week, probably the one that will cost them the lease is probably what they're looking for there. Or, we haven't talked about it, perhaps they just let Russ cook. This is what he's always wanted, apparently. It's true. No Pete Carroll to run the um, the running game constantly. So, maybe they go to an air raid off- offense and, uh, yeah, let Russ cook. So, kick us off with the next game, the Cowboy Bowl. The Cowboy Bowl. The Pappas Punishers taking on the Bayside Executioners. And there's a lot at stake in this game here. Um one team collectively, well, one team, two teams, one win collectively between the two teams here. So uh, both would be looking for a win here. Would love to have the bragging rights over the other. I just find it fascinating that Papa continues to play Justin Fields, uh, but that's probably because he gave Mariota the flick last week in a trade. But I don't know. If I'm if I'm Papa right now, what, what do you reckon, Hod? Do you think it would be more appealing to go Fields and Daniel Jones, or would you put Jones... Uh, in the QB spot and then play Kadarius Tony in the Superflex and just hope for a bit of upside stackage. Dublay G-Men you're going with. Um, I believe Daniel Dunes is under a little bit of an injury cloud, so I'm not sure how good that strategy might be he is, to roll you, those two. Did you see that injury last week or what no, happened I didn't. in the Giants game? So he, had, um, he was out of the game with an ankle injury, so he got his ankle rolled up on, was benched for... The last part of the game, they put Tyrod Taylor in who played about four snaps and got absolutely fucking lit up by a linebacker. And then Daniel Jones had to come back on and limp onto the field and see out the rest of the game. They put him in a... They lined him up at wide receiver about four times in a row in um, in a Wildcat offense. And yeah, it was, it was interesting to see how that whole thing played out. So I actually don't know what would happen. Even if he's no good, the backup... Is ruled out with a concussion, I think, anyway, in Tyrod Taylor. So uh, I actually don't know what the Giants are going to do this week if he's no good to go. They might be in a bit of strife. Wowee. I, uh, Tyrod just can't catch a break, can he? He seems uh, he doesn't get, get the field a lot, and even when he does, he either gets jabbed or lit up. So, uh, yeah. yeah, not sure what the G-men are going to do there, but uh, I, I sense you're a little bit too surprised for my liking if you ask me if I watch the Bears and Giants, Ben. <laughs> I, I think I can well, find a lot more things to do than that. It was must, must watch at 4am on Monday last week, mate. I uh, couldn't take my eyes off it. But we'll keep going to uh, an even better matchup here or, or QB stack that uh, Teddy and Wentz are just getting the start here for Scoot over Jameis Winston, which I think is just an interesting little look here. Just doesn't have the confidence in Jameis at the moment, and uh, I guess we'll have to see if it stays that way. Also see if uh, Monty remains on the pine for him. I think watching that injury status for Scoot there will be something that he keeps a close eye on. Mm. Now, Papa did uh, chime in with some comments, and... It's a, he said, Scoot will be an easy beat this week, which I'm sensing just from a couple of texts here from the great man, Matty Sheen, that he's a little bit nervous about this week, a lot more nervous than most uh, other weeks because let me just reel off uh, a text message, a text exchange tonight. So Scoot's been tinkering with his lineup and we just... Uh, paid him a text, and this is what he came up with. I'm tinkering because I'm desperate. I need a win. I need to keep Jake's pick lower. I need Jake to lose. I can't lose to Papa. <laughs> My head's falling out from the stress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, So he's feeling it, the big fella. He uh, he just goes on with, we'll, we'll give one more here. He's, he's getting angry. He goes, I need... Uh, I need Cook to take a fucking week off as well. You dislocate your shoulder, you take a week off. It's simple. That's the whole appeal of Madison. You don't see Swift toughing it out. I really hate fantasy sometimes. (laughs) So clearly feeling the pinch is uh, 
old fossil nuts scoot. But we will uh, take the opportunity again to thank DK Travel. If you can't fart it, card it. Because the next game are two men that don't like each other. Well, it's not proven that Tim doesn't like Jake. But we know Jake doesn't like Tim. So... Let's have a look at what the numbers say here. It's got the the Lee's got the straight cash home. He's just just closely edging out Jake, fifty seven to forty two percent, and the projections are even closer. One thirty four point four nine, just over Jake. One thirty three point two two, and the sleeper app obviously has that much closer. So this is uh, looking like a nice little matchup here. And if I can find my notes again. Um, we talked about it last week. Najee Harris uh, has to be a bit of a worry for the legal team here. Yep. He scored 7.4 and is RB26 on the season. I'm pretty sure he was RB3 last year. Mm. and So 26 on the season to date. And just another one here. We'll stick with the running back theme. Kamara still questionable for Timos. So he might want to pay attention. He'll have an extra four hours. If, uh, is he playing at four? I don't know. But he'll have yeah, a little bit more is. time. There's no London game involved now to uh, see if Kamara can suit up uh, for the homies and try and squeeze this narrow matchup out. If Kamara doesn't suit up again, there is slim pickings for Tim Moss on his bench here. He's looking like he'll have to play Zach Moss. He's his probably only viable option there. So, um, yeah, who has put in... A 4.6, a 1.7, and a 5.7. But, you know, probably surprisingly, he's actually outperforming Kamara on the season, RB 60 to 63. So, who knows? Maybe playing Zach Moss might be what he needs to do there. It, it's got to be probably the most disappointing player, top-end player, is Kamara on the season. And, I don't know, it has, is it injury? I know he's had a few sort of... I mean, he clearly missed last week, but even the poor games in the lead-up to it... He, can't be right this season. Mm, there's something off with him for sure. Um, but you've got a big contest coming up here, Benny. We sure do. The Humdingers, uh, you know, coming off the back of their equal high season score of 84, taking on, on the uh, lowly 1-3 and three Johnny Unitas haircuts. Just absolutely struggling this year, you know. Just only one win on the season. They may be the second highest scoring team in the league, but... Only one win. So this is your chance, mate. You, there's there's an opening. There's a gaping opening for you to take here. So are you going to take it? Well, I don't know. I reckon Manny would have himself as number one on the power rankings. Have you ever seen power rankings separated by 11 spots with one extra win on the season? It's pretty pretty out there, I would have thought. <laughs> these, teams are, these teams are pretty close. So uh, are you going to run with this or am I? You go because you wrote most of it. Because you, well, uh, you I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to run with it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cart with it. Because DK <laughs> Travel, if you can't fart it, cart it. Has uh, has this one this week? A oh, it's not very close at all. It's a hundred percent. The league thinks the United haircuts are going to take this out with. Oh, I see why. A 50-point differential in the projections. But hey, but last week, Sleeper gave you a 15% chance. I'm exactly. I'm going up. Only up from here. And speaking of up, uh, what has is, what is Manny said here? I'll get, I'll get his dribble done with first. Manny, uh, one and three doesn't look so bad when you still have the entire worst division in all of world sport to play. <laughs> well, I'll reply to that. Two and two would look a whole much, uh, a whole lot nicer for you, Manny, if you manage your starting roster correctly, as we pointed out with Alave in London. So let's see which stupid decisions you roll out this week. It might not matter, just quietly. But one starting spot Manny has mastered correctly is Miles Sanders. Mm. So quietly, running back eight on the year. Now, this is the interesting part. Despite 55% game time, He's averaging 20 touches per contest, which is elite when it comes to fantasy. It's all about opportunity. And I think there is a, a stat out there with uh, when you're getting 20 touches a game, you're pretty much going to finish right up the uh, pointy end of each position. So that's a really nice uh, 
bright spot for the United's haircuts and he'd hope that uh, they can continue their merry ways in Philly town. Absolutely. That offense is, uh, it is proving to be the real deal. And yeah, I think that was the biggest knock on Sanders was just how much work he'd get, but he's just proving he doesn't need a hell of a lot of work. He's uh, getting the job done. Next game we've got here is the Park City Lions taking on the San Diego Demons and uh, DK Travel, if you can't fart it, cart it, sees this one. Just uh, 85% of the league has this one going to the Lions with 14.3% going to the Demons. Uh, and Sleeper sees it not as one-sided as that, 61% to 39 Um yeah, with about a 24-point differential there in the projections. But in saying that, um, you know, like we pointed out, Camo wasn't far off knocking off the great man last week if uh, some injuries went his way uh, or didn't go the wrong way for him. But, yeah, he's got... Um, I'll start off, actually, with... We'll start on my side and then I'll move to, to your thoughts on Camo in a sec. But did you see Mahomes playing the Bucks? Um, I did. And just how much was, the, the Chiefs were taking the piss when they got into the red zone there. It was like Harlem Globetrotter sort of stuff. The old uh, fake sort of calling an audible while Noah Gray runs past and just takes the hand off in for a little sneak. And then that other ridiculous spin move that Mahomes put on with a little flip pass behind his head to Clyde. It was, it was a bit silly there. But uh, for me, pretty nice to see Mahomes starting to get that swagger back that he lost last year. So uh, this is, you know, you love calling it revenge game for Mahomes. This is a guy who was, he was the first ever pick for the Demons franchise and he just had his heart set on another QB just from the get-go who was drafted by the Lions who uh, met much, much later in the draft and, and he saw nothing but blue and yellow for him and just flipped him, just got rid of Mahomes, said, you know what, you're old news to me. I want the new, young, shiny QB, pup. the new pup in Herbert, and it has worked out pretty well for him. But in saying that, Mahomes, he's just he's the kind of bloke who thrives off this sort of stuff, and I just see him pulling out maybe like a 35, 40 this week just to really rub salt in the wounds to the demons. Um, and I see Herbert potentially breaking another rib. Sorry, Camo. I don't wish injuries upon people, but you know this just this is the role we're on with this podcast. We we called so many things last week that happened. I'm just hoping that uh, no, nah, actually I don't wish injury upon anyone, but I'm hoping for the forty burger. The one I am going to talk about on Camo's side of it is the Robinson trade. Um, we spoke about it, um, and I'll recap your thoughts when it went down. But it's looking to be a, a nice deal for Camo now with the Javante injury. Uh, some nice little coverage there because he just slots J-Rob into that starting lineup who is sitting at running back 11 on the season. So at the time, it was a second-round pick for uh, James Robinson. So, yeah, what do, you, what do you think, obviously, when it went down to now as well? Well, what I think is uh, we've not been shy tonight in um, expressing how we've talked a few things into happening last week on the pod. So perhaps we should get Kamo on to do this because I just didn't see this happening. And it is provided, uh, turned out to be a masterstroke, really. And this, I suppose, is why, you know, you, you your teams up the pointy end, it pays to get these transactions done early on. So I'm sure Kamo saw a lot more potential in Robinson than perhaps what I did at the time of the trade. But this is exactly why you do these because a player of Javante's um, caliber goes down and J-Rob steps in as the RB11 and probably won't uh, see too much uh, drop-off. And that is vital. Your teams have to run deep uh, when you're up the pointy end. So, yeah, well played. I I really like how this has turned out. And J-Rob looks amazing following a really serious injury. Mm. And that's on the back of uh, disappointing last week. He... Only scored a 2.9 off eight carries, so and he's still sitting at RB11. So he's going to want him to bounce back this week now that he's got the starting gig there. That was a, yeah, that was a whitewash. The Jaguars have been pretty impressive uh, in the yeah. first month of the year. And that pissing, was, yeah. Pissing down with rain, lots of fumbles, and uh, yep. Lawrence actually gave the ball away probably before they even had a chance to give it to Robinson. Four fumbles. I think mm. it's a 
most ever in Dan- a game. Daniel Jones-esque, that one. Yeah. So um, we're moving on here. Yeah, to do it. The Owen Bowl. The Owen Bowl. These, these two have a nice, rich history in both leagues of ours. And it is, of course, the DFF up against the grouse. And there is some animosity in this game. But once again, is this for the final time? It is. The final time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have DK travel with us. If you can't fart it, cart it. And this game is looking like a whitewash. Sleeper has it 62% to 38% with a 25-point differential. But... The league is a bit more boisterous. They've got the Grouse winning this quite easily with an 85% percentage there. So what do we got here? I'm calling it whichever quarterback combo is highest wins this matchup. I like that I made that call, but you read it out. So now you're yeah. on the record. <laughs> so do you want to elaborate on that, Benny? No, I'm, just, I'm trying to make a bold claim here. And I reckon head-to-head QB here, we got uh, Wilson and Stafford taking on... Sorry, Wilson taking on Stafford. We've got Russ taking on Garoppolo. Head-to-head matchup, you know, I reckon the combined points for QBs here, whichever team has the best combination is going to get the chocolates overall. The rest is irrelevant in my opinion. So just to clarify, I'm with you here. They're actually playing each each other in the games? No, they're not, just in my head. No, just in your head. Yeah. Right, just the hypothetical. Well, <laughs> Steph has been very clear. Um, he loves hitting blokes when they're down, and he just rubs it in here. Jonathan Taylor out. Uh, so And Keeney's yet to replace him. Just give him the DFF a false sense of security in the projections, <laughs> oh, possibly. He yeah, he loves a mind game, uh, old father time. Now, the DFF, this is really interesting. He is locking in, it seems, Kylan Granson in the Thursday night football game tomorrow. I think this is a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. You took the words right out of my mouth. It's a bold strategy. So we love a stat. We should have a sponsored segment just every time. We need a sponsor for the stats. Mm. So when we throw to Keeney, he's with us in spirit, but he's actually here in the stats. So going into last week, which was his first, we're talking about Kylan Granson here, his first double-digit scoring game of his young career with 10.2 points. Solid, nothing mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, nice. He had 31 points in 20 games prior to that. Jesus. So the DFF has, thank you, Kenny. The <laughs> DFF must like what he saw last week. He has been on, I'm obviously close to the situation here, and I know he likes him. He's a very mobile tight end, uh, and he must be convinced moving forward because he's put him in over the likes of Gesicki and uh, Dan Arnold. So, mm. yeah, that's it. That's all he's oh, got. wait, sorry. How can we leave out Cole Komet? He's, he's put him in over Cole Komet. So, um, oh what's the last thing? What's the last? Oh, boy. Keeney's very vocal in this one. He <laughs> must like his chances. Now, the last thing there uh, that Keeney will add for us is the DFF on the schedule. No JT, Pitts. Pitts with a niggle. niggle. He's got the hammy. Stafford sucks. Mixon sucks. Baker sucks. Mac Jones injured, Alberto not getting a run, and I'll still piss it in, he reckons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he likes his chances, a big fella. I can't wait till he gets back on here. What, what, do, you, what do you think? He's, oh. uh, I reckon he's, he's just itching. He's itching to get back in the spirit of fantasy, and I think it starts for him on this podcast. Sure does. I think uh, I can only just imagine that the bloke has just got copious amounts of notes written on his notes app on his phone just of all the thoughts that he's been having these last few weeks it's been a long time since he's had the ability to uh have anyone listen to his thoughts so i reckon he's as you said itching to get back itching to just uh flex his old stat muscles and show off his extensive knowledge in this game but Another solid pod, mate, from yourself and me, just doing the old duo here. Uh, Yeah, bringing a bit of a different vibe to the table. We'll see if we can keep it rolling, but I like some of the bold claims that we're making. We we clearly had a few backed up last week, so let's see if we can keep this shit rolling for another week. I'll tell you who had a few backed up, and that was old DK himself. (laughs) So, uh, God, that was funny. He... (laughs) It's just like a little child being 
wheeled off to detention because he shit himself. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really shaping up this year. I, I like it. It's, it's we're just starting to see how the season's unfolding. Who starts to uh, let go of the year, perhaps, or think of other ways that they can go about it, and then who's really going to lock it in and make some uh, make some big decisions, which we talked about, like. Very interested to see how Maddie goes um, into this because he's sitting very nicely here. But what I what I do know from last week, our first Dublé pod of the year, is Keeney was up the night of the release. He he listened to it only a few hours after it hit the airwaves, and <laughs> he had some thoughts on it. He enjoyed it so. I uh, hope the father time has been uh, rewarding to him because uh, we're definitely looking forward to having him back on the pod very soon. But on to another week, Benny. Good to have you here. Good to be here. Podcast. Cheers, mate.